welcome to the She Connects podcast. My name is Susan Vandenhubel, and I am honored to be your host each and every week. This is an extension of my ministry, She Rises, that allows me to connect with women in the online space. You can learn more about me and my ministry at www.sherisesmn.org or simply tap the link in the show notes. But for now, let's dive into this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This week I am offering the message that Monica De Laurentiis shared at the annual Women's She Rises Women's Conference back in May. Last week, if you didn't catch last week's message, our episode, it was Karen Hagen's. Uh, she was also uh, one of the featured speakers at the Women's Conference, and I shared her message in last week's podcast episode. So go back and catch that. But this week, you are going to hear from Monica De Laurentiis. She joined me on a couple of panels on Saturday at the Women's Conference and then also spoke Saturday afternoon at the third session. And let me tell you, this woman is on fire for the Lord. She's just so passionate about seeing God's God's power just really at work in people's lives. She really believes in the power of God's word to transform hearts and lives. And so this message is going to be a blessing to you. Again, like last week, I mentioned with Karen's message, the altar time after Monica's message was so powerful and the Lord's presence was just so beautiful and so powerful around that altar time and every single woman. And I don't know that there was an empty seat. I feel like so many women were just pressing in around that altar and every single woman that came forward received a touch from the Lord first and foremost, but received prayer. And I received so much feedback from people both in Karen's message and and Monica's message and and just how that time around the altar was was just so powerful and beautiful. So without further ado, here is my friend Monica De Laurentiis. Amen. What a what a great weekend. Amen. So everything that's been spoken, everything that's been taught, uh it's all lining up it's all linear it's all same message and so obviously god is trying to tell us something amen and uh uh it's that warrior spirit um the kingdom of god suffered violence and the violent take it by force in other words there's nothing anyone can do the kingdom of god is coming and and no one can stop it amen and uh, as his women, we need to be warriors. As things get rougher and tougher, um, we need to fight. And, uh, you know, Descartes, he said, I think, therefore I am. Uh, but I take that sentence to another level, which is, I think, therefore I create. And that's coming from Proverbs 23, 7. As a man think so he is so if i'm think what i'm thinking is creating 
my world around me, my perspective around me. So if life is not what you think it should be, then you got to relook at what you're thinking. Amen. You have more control than you think. Amen. God created us in such a way. He gave us these magnificent brains, okay, that cannot be duplicated. And, and so we control uh, what we think. Satan can plant thoughts, but he, does, he can't make us dwell on it. Amen. And we're living in a time of spiritual battles amplified. Uh, I agree with you, Susan. Times are changing. Uh, a couple years ago, two, three years ago, the Lord gave me a message that there will be an atmospheric shift. I had no clue. I'm, uh, I'm preaching it like every Sunday. Atmospheric shift. Atmospheric shift not realizing that the atmospheric shift was the whole world shutting down. I'd say that's a pretty big shift. No one could have predicted that. But here we are. Life has changed. And if you think that Jesus can't come back, that the world can't change on a dime, I know you know it's not true. It can. You can blink and everything that we know could be gone. Uh, it, if your trust is in anything but Jesus Christ, you're going to be disappointed. If your hope is in your finances, you could lose it all tomorrow. But talking about uh, spiritual battle seems to be the theme this weekend. Spiritual battle. Five signs you're in a spiritual battle. One, sudden or extreme onslaught of various troubles, losses, and trials. So you're just going about your life and boom, something happens. Boom, something happens. Boom, something happens. How do you survive that? Two, attacks of physical danger. Illness, life-threatening loss. Three, increased temptation towards sin. I'm telling you, in the last two years, spiritual battle has amplified for me. It has came at me in every direction. It comes at me in my sleep. My husband doesn't even want to get in bed with me because I'm fighting in my bed. I wake up fighting, screaming, Jesus, and I'm punching and, you know, knocking every demon in hell out. So I don't even get rest. It's not even battle through the day. Then I battle through the night. Look at me. I'm exhausted. There is no temptation set before me that God will not make a way of escape. I choose escape because there's too much at risk. There's too much hanging in the balance. 
There's all the beautiful people that look to me as their pastor. I could not disappoint them. I got beautiful children. I cannot disappoint them. Um, I got things that I need to do. Still for the Lord, I cannot disappoint him. I got to keep going. Doesn't matter how much opposition, doesn't matter how much persecution, doesn't matter what people are saying. Let them say it. I'm still going to love you. Because I will not give a foothold to Satan. I will not crack that door open. But there's a way that we have to fight. Feelings of overwhelming despair, darkness, and fear. It's horrible when we go into a dark time, when we feel depressed, when we feel fear, when we, we're just fearful. Fear of what? Fear of everything. Fear of failure, fear of success, uh, you name it. Deep feelings of condemnation and guilt. I think I've, I've experienced all of those and more. My life before Christ was all of the above. I just lived in a constant battle, but I didn't know how to fight. I was just thrown with anything that came my way. My dad died when I was 12 years old, and I was daddy's little girl. And uh, when he died, it, I took it really hard. I, I just took it to my heart. My life turned upside down. My dad was the controlling force. My dad was the educated man. My dad is the one who held our family together. And when he died, my mom couldn't deal with it. And she was in so much pain that she couldn't help me through my pain. And so I started using drugs at 12 years old. And by the time I was 15, I was strung out on heroin and cocaine. When I was 18, my boyfriend uh, died in my arm. I was mortified by it. You see, up until then, I thought I could beat this. I'll beat this. This is my last day. I'm not going to use tomorrow. I had hope always. No matter what was happening, I had hope. But when he died in my arms and I felt responsible for it, it took me to down to another level. And... Uh, I remember looking for a church that day. I'm in the city of Chicago, and I, I felt I need God. I need God. I was terrified. I, I, I felt I need God, and I, and I needed a church, but I couldn't find a church open. I ran from block to block to block to block. And there were none. They were all chained and locked. And I found one open. It was a Catholic church. And I ran in and I sat down to the left. It was open because there was a funeral going on. I'm over here by myself. The family's all over there. 
I'm the only one crying. And, and it was an old man that had passed away, and they're all looking at me like, who's that? I was oblivious to them. But as, they, as the priest was getting up to walk past, I stood up, and I said to him, I need help. And he actually pushed me back and said, I'm busy. And I, I was so small, right? I fell. And uh, there was another priest that came up behind me, him, and helped pick me up. And I'm screaming. I, I'm like, I don't know what I want. I don't know if I got to light candles. I, I, I don't know if I need confession. I, I don't know what I need to do. I need God. And he says, you just need to talk to me. So we sit down to talk. I'm telling him every sordid detail. I'm just like, I got to get it all out. I just got to get it all out. And I'm telling him, but here's him. He's got his hand and he's going, you're a good girl. And I'm like, what? So I said, okay, this guy's not hearing me. Let me give it to him more plain. So I'm not, I'm telling him all this stuff that happened. I'm, I'm strung out on heroin, cocaine. I, I feel like I just killed my boyfriend. And, and I'm going on and on and on. I'm talking louder. And everybody in the church is listening. And I get to the end and he goes, you're a good girl. I said, what is wrong with you? Are you deaf? He was deaf. He didn't hear a word I said. Needless to say, it was 10 years before I ever stepped foot in another church. That experience just shook me up. I needed God, but I couldn't find God because the churches were locked. And the one church that I did find, the, person, the only person willing to listen was deaf. So when I did get saved, I was militant. I was always militant from the start. I was militant because I knew that this is a battle there are people out there that are dying on the vine, that, are, uh, that don't know Jesus. And, and I learned how to fight from the very beginning. So we're going to learn how to fight. We're going to learn how to pick up our sword. We're going to learn the phrase, the sword of the spirit is found only once in scripture in Ephesians 6, 17. The sword is one of the pieces of the spiritual armor that Karen spoke about this morning. Paul tells the Ephesian Christians to put it on as a part of the full armor of God, that you will be able to stand your ground against evil. Stand your ground, ladies. Too often we don't stand our ground. We back up. We move to the left. We move to the right. We don't know how to do that. 
opposition comes, the persecution comes, pain comes, and, and we're stuck. While we're feeling good, we can say yes, 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 but when it all goes bad and our emotions are saying no, no, and no, we don't know how to fight. So if you don't know how to fight, the, you, you got to learn how to handle a sword, the word of God. Amen? Otherwise, this is what you're doing. The enemy's attacking you, right? He's telling you all kinds of things. And you're just, because you don't know how to use it. The word of God. We got to learn how to use it. Otherwise, we're just hitting the air, hitting the air. Go away. Just go away. Leave me alone. I'm tired. You're not doing anything. Okay? It's doing nothing. Uh, we need to take the, the sword, the word, and apply it to our lives. And I hope that today we're going to learn how to do that. Amen? Don't let me scare you. <laughs> See that? After I say, don't let me scare you. Thank you. So stand your ground. When I was in Chicago, I planted a church in Chicago in the roughest neighborhood, the Robert Taylor Projects, because that's what I do. I, I go to a city and say, tell me where no one wants to go, because it's dangerous, where they avoid. And they'll, and, but Chicago, I grew up in it, so I knew where they didn't want to go, and it was the Robert Taylor Projects. And I planted right there. But there was a guy, he was on some kind of drugs, he was crazy, he was chasing another guy. And I'm standing here and this guy's running and, and he runs into the church. And so I don't know what possessed me to do it, but I go to the crazy guy, hey, to distract him from the guy he was chasing, which was like, what are you doing? Right, so now he turns to me. And I'm like, oh God, help me Jesus. Right, and and he comes and he's calling me every name you could call somebody. You're this, 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 this. You're this, and, and he goes, you know what? You make me sick, and, and I'm just gonna punch you. And and I'm hearing the Lord at this point saying, stand. And I'm like, are you serious? This guy's gonna punch me. And you're telling me to stand? Okay, this is going to hurt. And so I plant my feet because if he's going to slug me, I'm hoping my toes will hold me up. So here he comes, right? And he goes to punch me, but he couldn't get past here. It's, it's just like he hit a wall. And he pulled back. He didn't know what was happening, and so he did it again. He said, I don't know. He tried three times, and he could not hit me. And so by the third time, I knew why the Lord told me to stand. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. You know, now I know that God is with me, and my dad's bigger than your dad. Woo. <laughs> and then I ran for my life. <laughs> 
Then a little dance and whoo, goodbye. <laughs> we just need to trust. When God speaks, we need to trust that he's got our back. The sword is offensive and defensive weapon used by soldiers or warriors. In this case, it's a weapon belonging to the Holy Spirit. The sword were used to protect oneself from harm or to attack the enemy to overcome or kill him. In both cases, it was necessary for a soldier to get rigid training. So should the Christian get training. Now, I got on YouTube and I said, let me learn how this works. Right? I, I want to wield my sword, uh, not just by trying to guess at it, but how do you do this? And I learned the stance, amen? And I learned how you wield it and how you fight and how you go in for the kill of your enemy. And some swords had double edges, two, two, two cuts, so that when you pierce, you do the most damage when you pull out. All Christian soldiers need this rigid training to know how to properly handle the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword that Paul refers to here is the Holy Scriptures. The Word of God is from the Holy Spirit and is written by men. That's what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. But since every Christian is, on a, is in a spiritual battle with satanic and evil forces of this world, some people think that that just isn't for today, that, that demons don't exist because we're too intellectual to believe anything like that. Well, you can take in your intellectual mind and, and be lost in your battles because demons do exist. There is a spiritual world just as real as God and his angels are, so are demons and Satan. Amen? And as Christian Women, when you became saved, you got a target on your back. He don't got to mess with you before you knew the Lord. I tell people, when you come to Christ, it's not a bed of roses. This life is not easy. Amen? It's easy to live in the world, but you're dying and going to hell. To, to serve Christ, it says in the end days that there will be a great falling away. Why? Because spiritual battle has amplified it's gone up a few notches and people can't deal with that they 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 give up on god they they go to something else they just quit in the midst of the battle the only way to lose is to quit that's the only way i don't care how many times you fall down you get up if you fall down you get up but when you grow weary and quit We've lost. God refers to his sword as the sword in Hebrews 4.17. Here the word is described as a living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, able to divide soul from marrow. Some things come out by prayer and fasting and other things you have to learn. 
You have to be disciple. If you're not disciple, it's very difficult to fight because you only know how to fight in your own strength. And that can only take you so far. You can only go so far in your own strength. There has to be a place where you know how to tap into the power of God. And when you tap into the power of God, you have a source that is greater than you. Amen. We have a direct line to God. And if we know how to fight and we do what we can do, God will do what he can do. If we connect our ordinary to his super, then we can do super ordinary things. Ordinary people can become warriors, fighters, not only for yourself, but helping other people out of their plight. Knowing how to handle this, how to wield it. If it's a two-edged sword, it will cut. And when we go after Satan, after because he's coming after us, you want to make sure it's fatal. You want to make that blow count. In 2 Samuel chapter 4, it talks about a man named Mephibosheth. And it sounds like I'm cussing, and when I do say this on my computer, I dictate it. It, sound, it prints it out that I'm cussing. Okay, Mephibosheth. Oh, a, you, you can figure it out. <laughs> you are big girls. He was the grandson of Saul. He was, uh, when, when David was taking over and they were killing off the family, his nurse picked him up and ran with him. But she dropped him and he became handicapped, his limb. And he, they went and they moved. Here's the grandson of a king moved to a place called Lodabar, which was a place where nothing grew. It was a dry and desolate place. And as he lived there, he lived there with fear. See, Lodabar reminds me of the projects where people live. And, 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 and there's no fence holding them in. But, and, they, and they stay in there. There's no opportunity, but they stay in there. Their minds are messed up, but they stay in there. What is holding them? What is holding this man in Lodabar? What was holding him was his own thinking. His thinking was telling him that King David is going to kill him. Where did he get that from? His own mind. So he stayed in there. He stayed in Lodabar. And I feel like so many of us live in Lodabar, where we receive messages. And we believe messages that say you're not good enough. You don't measure up. You're not pretty enough. You're not this enough. You're not smart enough. I mean, the onslaught of negativity that comes into our minds keeps us in Lodabar if we don't know how to fight. Amen? There's no... Fences holding your thoughts in. There is no barrier stopping you 
from being everything God would have you to be. And yet here we are, stuck. Stuck like he was stuck in Lodabar. Even when King David sent people out to go get him because he promised his father he would take care of him. He sent the team out there to get him. And when he saw the team coming, he thought, oh, my goodness, he's coming to kill me. And then they put him on horn and they took him to King David. Even then he figured, he's going to kill me. But what he did was have a feast for him. And maybe he even thought then, oh, after we eat, he's going to kill me. Um, because we get trapped. We get trapped in our thinking. We get trapped in our fears. We get trapped in our perspective. And as a man thinketh, so he is. That tells me I got to change the way I'm thinking. Amen? purpose of the sword, the Bible, is to make us strong and able to withstand the onslaughts of Satan, our enemy. The Holy Spirit uses the power of the word. There's power in the word. The word is alive. The word is, a, the, word is the one that cuts and divides. That's why we need to be discipled, so that we can effectively use it. It's like going to military training and learning how to wield a sword instead of just throwing it in the air and hoping you hit. <laughs> I hope I hit them. When we can know that we're effectively fighting for our lives. There's a thing that we say in our church. Catch it, check it, change it. And if you can't change it, chuck it. Get rid of it. But this is how we fight. Second Corinthians chapter, Second Corinthians chapter five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, that's a great scripture that we probably all know, but do you know what that means? We can all say it, casting down imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge. What's the knowledge of God? That I am the salt of the earth? That God loves me? That I'm more than enough? That I have everything I need to succeed? And when we have thoughts that are contrary to those thoughts, we need to catch it and bring it down into submission bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of christ catching that thought and now what's the second thing we need to do with it check it well how do i check it what do i check it with check it with philippians 4 8 why would god tell us a scripture like this finally brothers and sisters Whatever is true, check. Whatever is noble, check. Whatever is right, check. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. God's telling us what to think. Why? 
because because as I think, I create my life around me. And I need to catch thoughts that are contrary to Jesus Christ, to, the, to, to his will, to his word, the Holy Spirit, the word of God, the sword. I need to catch it and bring it down. Oh, no, that's not working. If you're under temptation and, you, and it hits you, you bring that thought down and you fight. So that takes us to the second step, which is, well, some things are real obvious. You know, like, say, adultery. That's pretty obvious. I don't got to go check it. <laughs> right? I mean, okay, that's just wrong. Right? But there are things that come in our minds that we just really don't know. There are things that people speak into our ears. And listen, these ears aren't garbage cans. You better protect them. Don't listen to everything everybody has to say. Amen? That's what I said. Do these ears look like garbage cans? You know, why are you putting this in me? And I'm talking about gossip. I'm talking about things that are not positive, things that, that I mean, come on, ladies. Life is hard enough without polluting our minds with things that are not true, that are not noble, that are not pure. See, this is how we check it. This is where we check it. Is it true? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If I'm to love my neighbor as myself, I can't listen to every piece of garbage. Because I got to ask myself, listening to this, whatever is about to be spoken, will it make me be more like Jesus? Will it make me love people the way Jesus would want me to love? And if the answer is no, well, then you've got to change that. Amen? Catch it. Check it change it. And how do we change it? What do we change it to? Amen. Veronica, if you could come up. Now, I hope this goes as we practice. <laughs> the last volunteer I had, I almost bust his teeth out. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. But here we are. We caught it. We checked it. And now we're going to change it. Change it to what? Change it to the word. Change it to truth. So when Satan says, oh, that's impossible. You can't do that. You're not able. You need to say, all things are possible with God. Amen? So here you go. I'm going to catch it, right? I'm going to deflect it, first of all, on my shield of faith as it comes. That's the defense. But now I'm going to do something more. I'm going to go on the offense and fight. So here we are. Bam.
bam, bam. All things are possible, right? Flip Satan's rope. What else? If he puts fear in you and he's speaking fear that you can't go in there and you can't do that and you can't walk in that room and you can't stand up there and speak, here we go. Oh, no, Satan. That ain't happening. Bam, 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 bam. I can do all things through Christ who shall you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Thank you. Give it up for Veronica. She's a brave soul. Especially as I'm terrorizing up here. <laughs> Knocking into everything. You see, what I'm looking at right now is what I call my butter knife. The word of God is a sword, right? The whole word of God. I used to say the, the New Testament is a switchblade. Well, I got a, a sheet of like 20 scriptures, and that's my butter knife. And if you wield it right, you can do some damage with it. Amen? It's not how much you know. It's, it's what you do know that you learn to walk in it, that you learn to memorize it. That when thoughts come, that you can fight the onslaught. That you not only defend with your shield of faith and deflect things coming at you, but you are ready and willing and able to not believe the things that Satan is placing in your head, to not dwell on it. Because he's going to tell you you're too tired. But Matthew 11 tells us, I will give you rest. Nobody loves you. Nobody. That's what he's going to tell you. You're all alone in this, but you know better. You said John 3, 16, for God so loved me. He loved me so much, he gave his only son so that I could have life. When you feel like you can't go on, he says, my grace is sufficient. When he says, you can't figure it out. You don't know where you're going. God says, I will direct your steps. When he says to you, you can't do it, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You've got to be able to fight. You can't just, well, I, you know, I don't like you. <laughs> Go on with your bad self. You got to use the word. You got to use the word to fight. Uh, uh, you got to know the word so that you can fight the battles. When he tells you you're not able, I am able. When he tells you it's not worth it, it will be worth it. Yay, what I suffer now is nothing compared to the glory later. Amen. And yes, we suffer a lot of things now, but we got to hold on to the word when he comes at us. I can't forgive myself. God says, I can. I forgive you. I can't manage. I can't pay my rent. I can't pay my bills. I will supply all your needs. But I'm afraid. I haven't given you a spirit of fear. I'm always worried and frustrated. Cast your cares on me. I don't have enough. I've given you. 
everyone a measure of faith that you can move mountains. I'm not smart enough. I will give you wisdom. But I feel all alone, and a lot of people today feel alone. You could be in a crowded room and feel alone. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you because you are mine. Amen. Psalms 144, verse 1, and that's been our scripture for the last year, which is praise be to God, praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains me for battle. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, in whom I take refuge. He prepares my hands for war. And how does he do that? Prepare my hands for war. Watch carefully. This is how we war. This is how we do it. Amen? We. He prepares my hands for war. He is my refuge, my strength. And I'm going to keep it real with you. It don't always feel like that. When I, I pastored Chicago and Minneapolis for 16 years, going back and forth for 16 years, raising my family for 16 years. And, you know, we got to take care of ourselves because when we don't, we grow weary. When we grow weary, our mind doesn't work as it should work, and we can't fight the way we want to fight, and we begin to succumb to thoughts in our head. And I was struggling so bad in Chicago. I was struggling, and I began to accept thoughts that maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe God didn't call me here. Maybe this is all a mess. And I, I was so discouraged. I felt like I didn't even want to live. Now, listen, I would never quit, and I would never do something, but I was struggling with my thoughts and feeling defeated and telling God, I need to hear from you because I don't know how long I can last like this. Well, God heard me, and he sent a Canadian Traveling down from Canada to highway, tollway, going across to New York and back into Canada. He sent this Canadian. He was on the road. He took 94, which takes, he said he never does that. But he did that day, which takes you into the city and out. He said there was so much traffic, he began to pray. And the Lord showed him, as he's praying for traffic, he showed him a pastor, a pastor that was hurting, a pastor that was ready to give up, a pastor that needed help. And I don't know how he found me, but he did. He's driving down 94. He's, going, he's looking for a pastor in the city of Chicago. Aren't you nuts? You've got to be crazy. 
he saw a 55 and he got off and we, our church was on the corner. He said, let me stop over there and see. So he came into the church and I, that's with, and when I saw him and I'm looking at him and I'm going, I thought he was going to ask for money or something. He looked crazy. Here's a white guy on the south side of Chicago stumbling into the door. And he said, I have a word for the pastor. He goes, but I see you're busy. There was his doubts. And he turned around to leave. And I said, wait a minute. I'm not that busy. You got a word from the pastor? I'm the pastor. Let's hear it. I didn't know what he's going to say. I thought he was a fruitcake because the story was ridiculous. He opens his mouth, and he's speaking things he cannot know. He spoke straight to my heart. It affected me so much. I felt like my heart was expanding inside my body. I was broken. I was healed over. You see, this is all I needed. That's all I need. I don't care about hardship. I don't care what I have to go through. I don't care what God allows me to go through. I just need to know you're with me. Because if you're with me, I'm in. I'm in. I can endure. I can fight. I can pull through. But I need to know you're with me. I don't know, maybe I was really at my end because God sent me this Canadian <laughs> to stumble in the door and have a word that affected me so much. God is our refuge, and he wants to speak to us. And it's not easy. It's one of the hardest things to learn to fight. And I know in this room, people are struggling. And you have your own battles. And the battles are intensifying. If the worship team could come. Bow your heads with me. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm struggling. If Jesus came today like Pooja, here he is. Do you know that you're right with God? Do you know that you're equipped for battle? Do you know this? Because if, if you don't, today is your blessed day, amen? That we can fight and we can fight together, that we can solidify what God puts in our heart. I struggled as a young person with drug addiction. And I've been through a lot as a saint. But I can get through anything as long as I got Jesus. Because with Jesus, if I have Jesus, I have everything I need to succeed. But we got to learn to depend on him. It's not a Sunday thing. It's a 24-7. 24-7, fighting the good fight getting on our knees, amen, training our hands for war, equipping ourselves with the word of God. 
And I got a bunch of these butter knives that I brought with me. And at the end, Veronica's going to be standing right there. And if you want one of these butter knives that can do some real damage, she has one for you. But if you're here today and, and, and God is just speaking to your heart, I just want you to slip up your hand. Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. Pray for me. I want to be equipped. I don't want to drown. And sometimes I feel like I'm drowning. Sometimes I feel like I'm not making it as a saint. Sometimes I feel like I'm buying the lie that I'm not enough. When God says I'm enough. You see, I work with people that have been told all their lives they're not enough. They've heard messages that no human being should hear. We all do. So those of you that slipped up your hands, just come and gather right here. And we're going to pray and we're going to seal this deal with the Holy Spirit that he would equip us that he would equip us for battle, that he would equip us, that his Holy Spirit would move through us. No one is exempt. No pastors, not leaders. No one is exempt from the onslaught of the enemy, the spiritual battles, and there is no shame we're all in this together. We're all in this life together. Amen? Anyone else before we start? If you want to come down, if you want to make your heart vulnerable before God, This is your time. This is your time to shine. This is your time to let Satan know that you know better now. Amen. I've learned I can fight. And I'm a warrior. A warrior. That's why when Susan called and she was talking about the sword and the warrior and I'm standing there holding my sword <laughs> going what? <laughs> it's the message of the day. Position yourself from the onslaught of the enemy but because he's not playing. He's coming to rob, kill, and destroy. Rob, kill, and destroy. And so, Father, we just, uh, we just thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. And, Father, you are a just God. And, Father, your word has given us the tools that we need to overcome, Lord. To not be victims, but be victorious. We are more than conquerors. We're, the, we're not going under, we're going over. 
Our feelings may say we're going under, but we're going over, Lord. Father, help us to fight the good fight. Help us to be who you would want us to be, God, who we desire to be. Equip us, God. We already have the heart. Now equip us with the skill to believe in who you created us to be, to believe in the mission that you have put before us, to believe that it's my time to shine, that God has a plan and a purpose. And Father, we just come before you and we abort Satan's plans, plots, and hidden agendas. And Father, we just usher in your plan for each person's life, your agenda, God, and most of all, your purposes for our lives, God. You have a purpose for each one of us. You have instilled gifts and talents in each one of us, Lord. Help us to have the joy of the Lord as our strength, no matter what's happening in the world, no matter what's happening in our world. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Let us not succumb to the world. Let us not panic with the world. Let us not uh, uh, think everything is wrong because Jesus told us himself, do not be troubled for these things must happen for my kingdom to come. Thank you so much for joining me this week. It was great connecting with you. Hey, would you do me a quick favor that would mean the world to me? Would you go ahead and leave a few stars and a review or even a comment? It not only means so much to me, but in the online space and the podcasting world, the more stars, reviews, and comments that a podcast receives, the further the reach. It ranks up a little bit higher in Google searches, which then results in reaching more women with this amazing content. So if you are blessed and enjoying, you know, just the content that you are hearing here on the podcast, would you go ahead and leave a few stars, a review, and some comments? It means the world to me. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you right back here, same place, same time, next week.